You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. I'm speaking with Michael Bloomline at SF and SF. Thank you for joining me, Michael. I'd like you to tell me about being a doctor and how that changes how you write and what you write. <laughs> or the reverse. How, how, uh, how what I write changes my being a doctor. I've actually written about this, I think. I'm, I'm sure I have. Um, well, I guess on the on the most basic level, my my interests are um, a lot of my interests are have to do with revolve around my work um, as a doctor, and so I'm I'm really interested in in people in. I'm really interested in what makes people tick, the sort of the so the the, the, psych, the psyches and the psychological uh, processes. I see lots of people um, who are psychologically troubled or stressed or damaged or challenged in in some way, and that's always been very very fascinating to me. Both understanding why and helping helping people work through it and and get better. And I'm also I've always been just very fascinated by the human body and um, everything about the human body, all, all the miraculous, mysterious, um, sublime <laughs> parts of it and how they work and how they fail and, um, and all the new stuff that's coming down. I, I, I couldn't possibly keep up to date with with everything, but I but I do try to keep keep abreast of a lot of the the research that's that's happening in um, in the small molecule field in the in all in all the genetic uh, um, all the gen- genetic twists and turns uh, all the biochemistry that's being done the pharmacology it's just um, and where I work happens to be a real, a real hotbed and center for research. So I'm constantly quizzing, um, quizzing people there, and a lot of my patients are doing the research. So I'm constantly quizzing them about what's new and what they're doing. And some of the stuff is just amazing. You couldn't even make it up. It's, it's, it's a, it's a story in itself. So all that is really. Um, it's just what I what I love, and so. It's often what I write about, in addition to what other people write about, which is what's going on in the world and with me, yeah. So tell me, what kind of medicine do you practice? Um, I've, I'm a general practitioner, which means that I'll do just about anything you want <laughs> or need. I've done a lot of different things over the years. Um, right now I work at the, at, uh, at the university in San Francisco, which is a big medical center, and I take care I take care of um, all the students there. So, the nursing students and medical students and dental students and 
the, all the researchers. And um, so my practice now is kind of confined to a fairly narrow demographic of people in their 20s, 30s, and 40s with a few outliers. Um, and that's, they have their own particular medical problems, and so I'm, I'm dealing with those. But prior to that, I've just been a general practitioner, so I, in my career, I've taken care of babies and nonagenarians, and, and I do a little of this and a little of that. Uh, you know, one of the things that, the most striking stories that I remember reading is the first, is the opening one in the brains of rats. It's about Joan of Arc, and the title escapes me. But it seems to me your your prose style in that story is really informed by your medical background, and it really gives it, uh, when you're laying out these facts, it's very, very disturbing, even though there's nothing really uh, innately within those facts that is particularly disturbing. It's odd. Could you talk about using that kind of distance to uh, to upset your reader? <laughs> um, actually, the title of that story was The Eponymous Brains of Rats. So, <laughs> um, uh, you know, I never, well, no, that would be disingenuous. I, uh, early in my career, I, I did w- delight in trying to shock people. But I, I never, I was called a horror writer by many people and thought of that way. But to be frank, I never, I never thought of myself as a horror writer. And that was always troubling to me to, that people thought of me that way. Because I, I, uh, I, I rarely read horror books and rarely saw horror films because they scared me too much. And I never thought that what I was writing was scary at all because it was what I was doing, what I was interested in, what I liked, and what was interesting to me. But I do think that it, that it disturbs other people because there, and I was talking about this a little tonight in, in our reading here in the question and answer, how um, when, you're, when you're a doctor, you, you're called on to exercise two muscles um, and two, two parts of your mind. And the first part, and a real, the real, uh, uh, well, equally as important as the second is to empathize and understand and and um, and hear what your patients are saying and to really to get it and to believe them and to trust them and to really um, want to help them and and that's not hard for me because I I feel all those things and the other part of the other muscle and the other part of your mind is. Um, is that you also have to be a, a step removed from that. You can't get involved emotionally. You have to be objective and um, rem- distant because you have to think um, clearly. And, um, and clearly in this sense means medically. And so I do have that capacity that all the doctors I know also have is that um, when, when they have to do something, we we do it and we don't we don't get grossed out by it so if i have to you know get my hands in blood i get my hands in blood and i like blood it's interesting it's life and if i have to you know pull a, cut someone or do a rectal exam and look at shit you know i look at shit and you know it wasn't so long ago that all, the doctors um that was part of the routine diagnosis is that you examined a person's stool and uh now it's like you can't even talk about it without being embarrassed. But I mean, it's not like I'm 
I love it, but I do it. And I'm not squeamish that way. And, um, but I think the, the and also um, when, when you're charting, when you're actually, when you've seen a patient and you're actually writing a chart, you do it in a very kind of um, telescopic, clipped, abbreviated um, shorthand way and it's a f and it's very unemotional and very kind of matter-of-fact and so I I brought that to bear in that particular story you're mentioning purposely because and in another another story that I'm thinking of too purposely because that is the doctor's language and they and they when, when we talk to each other we we if we're in if we're describing an interesting case we're not talking about um, the emotion that we're feeling, which can be interesting, and we sometimes do, but often we're talking about the the blood and guts that's interesting. So I do have that capacity to do that, and I don't intend that usually as horror. It's just kind of natural to me um, when I write that way. Well, that's really interesting. It, it seems, in a sense, almost that you live in a in a parallel universe, <laughs> where what the rest of us, what gives the rest of us the heebies, is is to you kind of uh, uh, something you look at it with a magnifying glass, and the magnifying glass separates you, in a way, from what the way the rest of us see. Well, I think um, I can be separated. I, but I'm completely human too and uh, I mean and, and I get when I go to the doctor I get just as freaked out and neurotic as any or just worried and emotional as anybody else um, yeah but I do have that but I would also say to you Rick that I think everybody has um, um, other selves that they don't um, that they don't reveal very very easily or very often to the world secret selves or just areas that they're unsure of or whatever that uh, um, that are a little strange I think w I don't know that's my belief that we all have parts of ourselves that that we think are different and and I think being a doctor is just um, kind of a legalized um, if deified way of uh, <laughs> being allowed to do that and you know I, I um, I get plenty of time when I'm not a doctor to just be a, a regular person. Um, and anyway, I, when I'm a doctor, I'm a very regular person. I mean, if you come and see me, Rick, I mean, if I, if, uh, I think most of my patients feel very, very at ease. They don't see that side of me, but they depend on it. I think, I think when you go to see a doctor, you want them to, you want to feel like you're around someone that like you or that you can trust that that seems very um, reachable and approachable but you also want them to have that uh, you depend on their having um, being able to look at things in a cold un unemotional way and uh, you wouldn't keep going to that person if you didn't if you couldn't depend on that that's a really fascinating insight. Uh, could you tell me just a little bit about your process of writing? Do you go back and forth from, do you write before you work or do you write while you work? Uh, I, 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 um, I write on the days I'm not working, typically. And on the days I am working, um, if I'm really into something, I'll get up very, very early, like three or four in the morning and write before I go to work. 
And then if I'm really into something, I write between patients if it's a slow day. <laughs> William Carlos William used to do that. He had a typewriter attached to his desk. But he was, I mean, he wrote poems, so it's a little quicker. But he would just whip it out between patients and toss out a poem or two. But I, I write prose mostly. So, But for the, last th for the piece I read tonight, I was just so into it the last two weeks. And I wanted to finish it for this that I was writing non-stop when whether I was working or not and and so then actually seeing patients was a little burden because I really wanted to finish the story but it was okay I'm, I've been doing it long enough that it worked out I don't think anyone <laughs> suffered too much <laughs> so do you have a website where the people who heard the story on the web can go to and find out how to hear the rest of it you mean, oh they heard the story that we did tonight yeah yeah, um, I do have a website. This will not be posted on the website, um, although I did think of reading it. But anyway, the website is my name, www.michaelblumlein.com, um, and that is my website. This story is not on it because I just finished it. Um, you can hear the first half of it on, on the podcast. On the podcast. And if you are, if the second half, um, if you're interested in knowing what the stunning conclusion, um, you can email me and I'll send you uh, not only the second half, but the full version of the story, which was somewhat abridged on the podcast for the purposes of the reading. Uh, well, I, this is one thing I want, one last thing I want to ask you about. The, the reading, you, had a, you did a dramatic reading, yeah. and you tend to like dramatic readings, don't you? I, I just love this. I, I, I've always, I, I used to be in theater a little bit, and I've been wanting to do this for a long time, and this piece just happened to end up having a lot of dialogue in it, and so I thought this would be really fun, and I, um, and so that was a lot of the rewriting from what you'd actually read on the page was uh, rewritten so that it was, could be performed more as a, it was kind of like a stage reading, um, and I just had a ball, and I, I want to do more of it. And actually, I'm trying to think of ways, actually, to turn this into a full-fledged play. That would be so fun. Um, I have some connections in the theater community, so maybe they would indulge me to let me do that. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. Did you? How, what did you think? Did you, did you think it worked? Did you like it? It's not usually done at readings. Usually an author sits up there and reads his piece. And, and just for people who don't know, we had three people read, two other people reading with me for m most of the piece. What did you think? Uh, I, I loved it. I thought it was great, and uh, I'd love to see the play, and I'd like to see more readings like that. Oh, we've been talking with Michael Bloomline. His book, you can find his book, The Brains of Rats, if you're very, very lucky in the Screen Press edition, and you can find Healer from uh, Pyre Books. And thank you very much for joining me, Michael. Thanks so much, Rick. This is great. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. <laughs>